Yeah, welcome. Um, as Steve said earlier, my name is uh, Dan Ketterman. I am the area director for Young Life. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, my wife and I, Tiffany, have been uh, attending Brookside for, I'm not, I'm not sure, five or, or six years. Uh, Brookside has become home to us. It has been so fun to meet good friends, lifelong friends, relationships that were built here and founded on Jesus. Man, it is great. Thank you for coming out and checking this place out. Um, also, I play on the softball team that the church has. I said, if I get a chance to speak at Brookside, I am going to plug the slow pitch softball team. Uh, guys, if you're out in the crowd and want to come and hang out and have some great fellowship with some guys in the church, we'd love to have you. It has been so life-giving for me, and it really is, is all joking aside, it's been so uh, crucial to my time here at Brookside, getting to know guys outside of this sphere that I normally run with. So, man, get plugged in here at Brookside. We'd encourage you to do it because it is, uh, yeah, been so life-giving to my wife and I. Thank you for uh, the regular attender that is here today, the follower of Jesus. Thank you for coming out. Uh, thank you for week in and week out coming to Brookside. Maybe you were drugged here by someone today. Maybe you don't know why you were here or you just wandered in because you heard some good music. Thanks for taking a chance on us. Thanks for uh, popping in to see what this was all about. And then for the folks that, man, are following Jesus, but times have gotten tough. And maybe it would have been easier to hit the snooze button and just escape for a little bit longer. Thank you for um, getting up and taking time out of your day to be here with us. Wherever you find yourself, um, follower of Jesus, Jesus, skeptic, somewhere in the middle, I believe that you're here for a reason. I don't think it's by chance that you're here today with us. And I think that means that God has something here for you. God is going to do something, or at least we hope he's going to do something today because you, uh, you came. So the goal is for me today is that you would get to see Jesus in a new light, that he would be maybe different um, than what he was when you first walked in the door. Like, I want you to see Jesus today. Um, secondly, I hope you leave this place different than what you came in. That you would see Jesus new and that you would leave differently. And then lastly, I'm going to put a challenge in there. I challenge you to be bold enough to talk to someone about what you heard today. Maybe something was sparked through a conversation that you had with someone out in the hallway uh, maybe it's something that you hear from up front. Maybe it is something that came up when you were singing in worship or sitting in worship today. I hope that you'd be bold enough to have a conversation with someone. Maybe it's one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe it's in a small group Bible study they have. Maybe it's that community group. Maybe that this would be what you guys talk about. Free planning for next meeting that you guys have. Just talk about what you heard on Sunday. Um, but man, I hope that we would see Jesus, that we would leave different than what we came and that we would get to talk about it. Um, I'm gonna pray for us uh, so we can get underway. God, thank you so much um, for my church. Thank you uh, for each and every person that's here because if one person wasn't here, this place would be different. Uh, and I trust that you're gonna speak today. God, may my words fall on deaf ears but your words would pierce hearts and change lives. Amen. So uh, when Steve said, hey, Dan, uh, we'd like for you um, 
to, to preach? Would you like to share one Sunday? A lot of thoughts went through my head. Steve is going on vacation. Um, he really just doesn't like the text that we're going over. Uh, but no, he was like, no, we just want you to share and share your heart. That's a crazy thing to ask someone. Get up in front of anybody and talk about whatever you want. Um, and I was scared and excited about the opportunity. Um, and the only thing that kept coming to my head, in my head, was that Jesus changes everything. That's the only thought that I could get in my in or out of my brain. It's like, okay, we're, we're leaving the Jesus changes everything for a second. And then it was right back there. So I thought there would be no better way uh, to start talking about how Jesus changes everything, but to take you back to my freshman year of high school. Now picture, if you will, me, Dan Ketterman, freshman year of high school in Springfield, Ohio. Yeah, if in case you're having problems picturing it, there it is. Uh, that's right, that was me, a little less facial hair, uh, more gel in my hair. And uh, man, those soccer jerseys were terrible. Yeah, you can get that off of there, please. Uh, but there, it was me, freshman year of high school, and that's when Jesus changed everything for me. Uh, I was a high school kid that just wanted to fit in. I, was, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to probably blend in at some level. Uh, I was seeking acceptance from whatever group would have me. I wanted girls to like me. I wanted to be good at sports. I wanted to get good grades. But gosh, I also wanted to, there was this weird piece of me that wanted to hang with the bad kids, the bad kids. Uh, the kids that were up to no good at my high school, I wanted to be a part of everything. And I think when I'm able to step back and rem remove myself a little, I think I just wanted to be known and loved by someone. Someone that would just welcome me in and truly know me. Um, I was at, I remember it clear as day, I was at a high school football game. I went to a small rural farm school called Kenton Ridge. And we were playing the crosstown rivals, Springfield Shawnee, the Braves. And it was a, a Friday night football game. There I am in the student section with all of my buddies. And we were probably up to no good. Uh, and then walks in this guy that did not belong, a guy that looked totally different than the rest of us. I mean, he was ancient. Why are you in the student section, old guy? Uh, and he comes up to me and he's like, you're Dan Ketterman, aren't you? And I'm like, this is a little creepy, but I kind of like it. You know who I am. I'm doing something right on the social scene that people know me. I mean, you're old, but it, I think I like this. Uh, and I got to know um, Jeff and Jeff, uh, <laughs> Either I was really wrong on what old is, or I'm old now, but Jeff was ancient in his 30s, um, and he didn't belong. He was so different. Um, he wasn't just physically different and older than us, but man, he cared about me. He knew who I was. He knew that I played soccer, and freshman year, it was just JV soccer, and Gosh, it's not really something anyone knew about. Um, but he knew about me. He knew about my friends. And it wasn't just my friends and my friend group. But he knew the guys uh, on the football team. And he knew the girls from the volleyball team. Like he was this like crazy people person that got around and knew folks. And it wasn't just by name and the sport they did. But like he knew like deep stuff about their life because he asked great questions. 
uh, and it was weird. Jeff wanted to hang out and um, invest in my life because it cared about who I was. And I got to see Jeff do the mundane tasks of life. Uh, I got to see him run to the bank and deposit checks because there wasn't direct deposit back then. And Jeff never went through um, the drive-through, no matter if he was on a time crunch or not. Because he said, I remember him saying, you always have to go in. There's going to be a great conversation that's going to be had with the teller. Who else cares about them? You get to go and talk to them. Get to know them. Ask them questions about their life. Um, Jeff would also, um, he was crazy on a ton of levels. I wish we had time to talk about how crazy Jeff was. But man, he, to see him at a restaurant with people, uh, waitresses and waiters, they wear their name tags because they want you to address them by their name. But it's like a foreign concept to us. It's, hey, can I, can I get a refill? And Jeff would always talk to the person like they mattered. And he said, Jesus, names matter to him. You know, he would talk to me uh, about when um, the possessed man was chained. They couldn't chain him up. And he was locked away in the mausoleums in the cemetery. And the first thing that Jesus asked the man was, what's your name? And Jeff told me that names matter. Um, he eventually, through our relationship, invited me, this, invited me to this thing called Young Life. And I got to see Jeff um, talk about Jesus. Uh, we sung some crazy songs and did some skits and games, and it was the time of my life. But the way Jeff talked about Jesus, oh my goodness, it was like nothing I had experienced before. I grew up in the church, and I thought I had Jesus and life figured out, and it was like the thing we did on Sundays and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights for my family. And the Bible was just kind of like one of those oversized coffee table books that had a lot of dust on it. And when people came over, my mom, you know, oh, we got to clean that off. Uh, we got to make sure it looks like we're in that thing. Uh, but it was just a coffee table book to me uh, that we heard Sunday school stories. But when Jeff opened up the Bible, oh man, it, I was like, is that the same book? It says Holy Bible in there, but that's, I don't think that's the one that we read. Um, but man, when he would talk about Jesus, the words jumped off the page. And I think Jesus changed everything for Jeff's life. And because the love of Christ compelled him, uh, he befriended a kid like me, and it changed everything for who I was too. So I thought, what better way uh, to kind of start and jump into Scripture than to talk about Jesus? That's all I know uh, to talk about today. I hope that Jesus is enough. I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because I believe he is. Um, so today we're going to be um, reading from the Gospel of Luke. So if you wouldn't mind turning to Luke, if you've got a Bible with you. I think it might be up on the screen behind me. Um, but I would encourage you, man, if you don't have one of these, like a physical copy of this book, the Bible, God, oh, get one. It is so good to be able to touch and open and thumb through and smell the new pages. And for me, the coffee-stained old pages, they've got an interesting scent now. But to just be able to handle God's Word, gosh, I'd encourage you to get a Bible. Get one that you can thumb through and write notes in. And whatever the Lord is speaking to you, like, write it out in there. Gosh, there is power when this book is opened up. And gosh, it can't be replaced 
by anything. I know it's a good standby to have it on your phone and that we get to read it from up front today on the screen. But man, get one of these. If you don't have one, I'd love to get you a Bible. I know our church would be more than happy to, to hook you up with Bible, but you got to talk to someone about what you heard today. So it's kind of a, a catch-22. So we're going to be reading from uh, Luke 5 today. Gosh, this is one of my favorite, favorite accounts uh, of Jesus's life because I think it calls us to a lot of interesting and fun things. So it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, or um, that was the Sea of Galilee, it says, With the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Crazy what is going on right here. You've got Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. He is, there's a ton of people around him. I would encourage you to look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And wherever Jesus was, there were just crowds of people around him. Like he was the rock star of his day. Like people wanted to know what this man was all about. Some of them were follow, followers of him. Some of them were skeptics. Some of them were just following the crowd, but they had to hear what Jesus said. They had to get that last drop that was coming off of his lips and they would follow him to the next place because what he said was different than what everyone else was saying. It says there that they were there, and this is crazy, they were there listening to the word of God. Just imagine what it would have been like. Jesus you know, it says in Colossians 1.15 that he's the visible image of the invisible God. He's God with skin on. If you want to know the person of God, you look at Jesus. Man, it was wild. It, it was his book. He was teaching his own word, his love letter written to his people. Just imagine the author getting to talk about it. Like it is so fun to get to hear J.K. Rowling talk about Harry Potter because you get a little snapshot of what she was thinking when she was crafting characters and making them having the weird quirks that they had. This was the author talking about it. Oh man, it would have been so good. And people were crowding in. It was like a concert. I remember the first concert I went to. It was Incubus and Hoobastank and uh, Phantom Planet. I don't know if that's, I didn't go to many concerts growing up. Uh, I, when we found out we had floor seats, I'm like, oh, this should be cool because the only concerts that I had ever went to were the Gaither Vocal Band. Uh, it's a little different clientele at a rock concert. Uh, but man, we were being pushed in and I imagine the crowds were just coming in on Jesus because they had to get close to the master. And so he hops in the boat and says, hey, Peter, would you take me out a little bit? And he sits down and teaches folks. It picks up in four. It says, when he had finished speaking... He said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I love that he singles out Simon here. Simon, we'll see in verse five, they've been out fishing all night and not caught a thing. And here's Jesus. What does he know? He's just a carpenter. And he's telling the master fisherman to go out and we're going to fish midday when the sun is beating and the fish have dove down so deep that the nets won't reach. Simon is cleaning his nets and he's getting ready to go back to his wife and they're getting ready to probably eat breakfast and go to bed so they can get up and try to fish in the morning. And here is Jesus singling him out 
So I guess one of my questions to you would be, are you allowing Jesus to single you out so you could get time with him? Like, is there enough space in your life to be singled out by Jesus, uh, to get time with him, time from your normal everyday life to just sit and be with the Father? It picks up in verse five. It says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Gosh, they've been working hard. He says, but, it's a reluctant but. He's like, but because you say so, I guess we'll drop them down. Do you trust Jesus enough do you trust Jesus enough to do what doesn't make sense? Like it made no sense to fish in the middle of the day. The same sea that they were just in and got no bites, no fish. Do you, do I in my own life trust Jesus enough to do what doesn't make sense? And maybe you're sitting here today thinking, I don't know anything about this faith stuff or about Jesus, but you're here. And I don't think it's coincidence. So my question for you would be, what's holding you back? What's holding you back from going all in with this guy, Jesus, or to seek him out a little more? This is my favorite part of the account. And I think this is my life and relationship with Jesus to a T. It says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners, the guys that were still back on shore. They signaled them in the other boat to come out and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Man, a relationship with Jesus. When you encounter Jesus, it changes everything. And I would say a relationship and a walk with Jesus is the most wild adventure that you could ever dream up or imagine. For me, Jesus was so lame in high school and so blah. But when my young life leader opened up the Bible, that was not the Jesus I saw. He was the most interesting, the most compassionate, the most loving, the most outrageous person that has ever walked the face of the planet. So if you're sitting there bored by Jesus, I would challenge you to open up this book and to look at it in a different light because my goodness, he was crazy. I mean, I've never hung with prostitutes. I have never gone to be with the lepers, the outcasts of society. But Jesus was right there eating with the tax collectors and the thieves. They were his friends. That's wild. That is nuts. So crazy. And I would encourage you, man, if this has not been exciting or fun, gosh, a relationship with Jesus, it is a wild ride. I never in a million years would have dreamt that I'd be standing in front of you today getting to talk about Jesus. Uh, I never thought that I'd ever move to Northwest Ohio, but for some reason, Jesus has brought me to this place. Uh, I had never been here until I interviewed here. And I'm from Ohio. Like, uh, I think people just passed through on 75, but I'm here and this is home and it's because of Jesus. It picks up in verse um, eight. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. I love that in verse five, he refers to Jesus as master, but he got to experience and see Jesus and it changed from master to Lord. 
Like when we encounter the person of Jesus, it changes everything. And for um, Peter, it was a changed life. Like he saw Jesus in a new light. Picking up, it's for, it says, um, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Jesus is talking to Simon, Simon Peter right now. And he says, Simon, we're going to be fishing for people. I think that was weird back then, just as weird as it is today. Um, I'm sure they probably would have looked at Jesus and uh, hooks, nets. <laughs> How are we fishing for men now? Um, but gosh, he saw Jesus and was willing to follow. And I love that Jesus invites Simon into something that is way bigger than himself. He says, we're going after people now. Leave these nets. Like we're going to go after people because they matter. They matter to Jesus. And I love that Peter wasn't alone. Simon wasn't alone. It says there in 11, it says, so they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. Jesus invited Simon into a relationship with himself. He gave him a mission, people now, but then also the disciples were right there with him. He also invited Simon into community as well. He said, this mission, it's going to be big. It's going to be fun, um, but you're not alone. You're going to be doing it with a team. So there's three things that uh, you can't miss today. I don't want you to miss or... Um, or maybe it's three things that Jesus is calling us to. He's first and foremost calling us to himself. Gosh, don't miss it. Don't miss Jesus. Uh, we can stop there if we need to. Don't miss the person of Jesus. Man, I would encourage you to give him a shot. If you've got questions, man, there are elders, um, women in the church. Uh, if you're a lady, gosh, people that would love to sit down and talk with you. Uh, I promise you, if you say, hey, I want to talk about Jesus, Will you, can we do this over coffee? They would jump. You could probably get four or five coffees out of people at the church uh, if you want to talk about Jesus. It's just a little tip. Um, I've been doing this for a little while. Dinner, if you're lucky, if you get the right one. Um, but man, we would love to talk to you about Jesus. You can't miss him because Jesus changes everything. The second thing that he calls us to is mission. The mission, it is bigger than ourselves. So big that it's God's size. But it has, the mission has to be centered on Christ. And a third thing that I think we see is that Jesus is calling us to community. It's community that's bigger than ourselves. So it has to be an inclusive and not exclusive community. It has to be inviting where people can come and be, come for who they are and be themselves. It's God-sized, the mission is, so we need each other. Uh, man, I don't know any of us that could handle God-sized stuff on our own. That's why we have people um, to do life with. And lastly, the mission is Christ-centered. So gosh, because it is Christ-centered, it's life-giving. Man, John 10, 10, Jesus said that I've come that you may have life and life to the full. That was me in high school. I was searching for life and wanted to be filled up. The mission, it's Christ-centered, so it's life-giving, and it is so, so good. 
So what does that mean uh, here practically for community groups in our church and what we're um, trying to do? Um, I have some things that I think that uh, make up missional communities. I'm going to try to breeze through these quick. Uh, but again, like any time that I'll speak with our, our leaders or friends, or I'd encourage you to pull someone aside. I've left a billion things out, um, I'm sure, today of what I wanted to say. Um, so pull someone aside and let's talk um, about you and your faith in Jesus. But the first thing I think that uh, is made up in a missional community, I think you have to have missionaries. You have been sent out to tell and proclaim the good news. We're fishing for men now. Um, missional communities, they're not Bible studies, but groups of people whose lives are radically reoriented around making disciples of a specific group of people. And typically, that's, uh, it's where no one else is going. No one else is uttering the name of Jesus. I think if we're missionaries going after a pocket of people, that's us. Um, and then the missionaries that our resources would be geared towards that specific group of people in hopes of making disciples. I think the biggest way that we can give would be with our time investing in folks. My young life leader built a relationship with me and it changed my life. The second thing is uh, family. I think we're a group of believers who live and experience life together. Because of Jesus in John 1, I think we're now in this weird dysfunctional family that we are now have the right to be sons and daughters of the God of the universe. So we're in it together, whether we like it or not. I love the county fairs because it makes me feel like my family is halfway normal. Uh, so our family is dysfunctional, right? The church is not perfect because we're all messed up, sinful, broken people, but we're in this together. Um, the family, because of their faith in Christ, they treat each other as sons and daughters of the Most High. They know each other. They share in everything, time, money, strengths, weaknesses, wins, and losses. Um, next, I think missional communities, you have to be servants. We serve those around us as Christ serve. We're showing people um, what it will be like under the rule of the king. Gosh, in a tangible way. The first shall be last kind of way. Missional communities serve in such a way that demands a real gospel ex explanation from those served. I wanted to know what was different about my leader, Jeff. And I asked him, I'm like, what is it, Jeff? Why are you so different than anyone I've ever encountered in my life? And he said, it's because the person of Jesus and he changes everything. Lastly, um, missional communities, I think we have to be made up of disciples as well. Um, disciples are made and developed through life on life where there is visibility and accessibility. My young life leader was not perfect. He was flawed in many ways. Um, he was great with people, but I also see he's got some road rage. He's got some temper issues. Um, but I got to see him mess up and fail and keep going back. It gave me hope. Jeff, if you ever listen to this, uh, it's the truth. It gave me hope that a buffoon like my leader, Jeff, if he could get it and have a real relationship with Jesus, I could too. 
was Jeff was crazy, but I wanted it. So I think we need to be life on life. It needs to be visible and that we need to be accessible. I think disciples are developed in community where they can practice with one another and then they're on mission where they can learn how to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. Man, I think first and foremost, I don't want you guys to miss Jesus. For those of you that have said yes to Jesus, man, it's the adventure of a lifetime. You are on a ride that, gosh, people dream to be on. They really do. Life to the full. I know adults that are seeking that in all the wrong places. It's not just kids, right? It's all of us if we're honest with ourselves. We're all seeking life. And man, if you said yes to Jesus, you're attached to the Father now. How fun is that? Um, for those that maybe don't know where they stand, I would encourage you to, um, to seek one of us out. Not that we um, are better than you, but my goodness, I would love to tell you about this guy that I decided to give my life to when I was a freshman in high school. Um, I hope that through our church, that we'd be, we'd be a church that's on mission, that we not just sit back and be um, in these holy huddles that we call community groups. Because man, those become exclusive and inwardly focused, but that our community groups and that our church would be outwardly minded, that we would be going after the hard to reach places, the hard to reach people at our places of employment or the classes that we are in, maybe for our young life folks, the high school or middle school that you go to. Um, Jesus is calling us to himself, to mission, to community. Let's go and get after it. Let's proficient for people now as a church. Um, I'm gonna pray for us as our worship team comes up. God, thank you. Um, thank you that you sent someone that didn't give up before he got to me. Thank you um, that you've called us to fish for people. Got to pray that our church would be about the lost, that we'd be about each other, but we'd be about the lost and making you known. And thank you uh, that you're good. Help us when it doesn't feel like that. Help us in our unbelief, Lord. Amen.
you can have a seat. I just have a few points of information and a couple of upcoming dates to share with everyone. Um, first of all, I'm Andy Alt. I'm, I've got the privilege of serving as one of the elders here at Brookside Church. Um, and to be real with all of you, I'm a little weepy right now. Um, I, I've seen some tears streaming and some uh, maybe folks out here who are feeling the things that we've sung. Um, the words that are on the screen and even the prayer that Rob just offered up. So if you're with me in one way or another, thanks for letting me be real. Um, to all of our parents uh, of BGSU students that are here, welcome. Um, the other part of my life is working at BGSU and a really important part of my role is to help make, make sure that all of our students are doing well and being successful. And I hope that if you're here today visiting your son or your daughter or niece or nephew or a grandson or a granddaughter, um, that their experience has been good. Uh, and we're glad that you were able to worship here with us this morning. Um, so I, th I think most folks know, unless you are new or have only been hanging around here for a couple of weeks, that we're in the midst of a transition as a church. Um, and at the end of this uh, uh, fall semester, so to speak, on December 9th, we're going to be taking a pretty important um, vote as a congregation uh, about our lead pastor. Uh, and you had a chance to, to meet um, Steve, who, who has been serving in that role um, following our transition when the Crawfords left this past spring. Um, and so on December 9th, we're going to have um, that opportunity here. But leading up to that, uh, we want you to have a chance to get to know um, Steve, uh, some other staff members, maybe an elder or two, and, and, and some family members there um, on September 30th, uh, where we'll be holding our pizza with a pastor. It'll be after service here. You can find some more information probably in your program this morning or on the Brookside webpage. Uh, but that's one of the next important dates that are coming up. Um, after that, the following Sunday, um, uh, will be Brookside Basics, and that's a chance to learn a little bit more about uh, sort of what Brookside is all about, how we began, uh, our affiliations, our denomination, uh, what we believe, what we hold close um, to our hearts and um, in terms of our teachings and things like that. So would encourage you to check that out as well. And if you've already, already done one of those things, um, uh, the only one that's really required to become a partner or a member here is, is Brookside Basics. But if you've already done that or after you do that on October 7th, make sure that you let one of our staff members know, and in particular, that would be Aaron Kessler, who serves as our, ch our church administrator and, and uh, uh, treasurer, accountant, sort of. So we want to make sure that we've got um, that, that list of folks all set for that um, important date in December. So please take, take time to mark those down in your calendar, plan to attend. Um, and if you need anybody to wait with you, <clears throat> to sit with you in silence, or to care for you, know that uh, the pastor's the staff, the elders, and other folks are here to do that with you. So go in peace. Have a great afternoon and a great week. Thank you.